Um, thanks, Jim, for that. I appreciate that a lot. Um, we have just a great leadership team here, a great congregation. I'm pretty excited about 2016. I don't know if you are. Um, I just can't believe it's 2016, first of all, you know. 2016, man, uh, it's a new year, and it's full of hope. It's full of potential. And I don't know if you make New Year's resolutions. Raise your hand if you've made a New Year's resolution. Just be really honest. Yeah. The ones who didn't raise their hands are the ones who are wise. No. Uh, no, I, honestly, I, I made a few resolutions this year, but I decided I was going to be a little um, more realistic. For example, one of my goals is to uh, gain 10 pounds. So I uh, fear that'll be pretty easy to achieve. Uh, don't you think it's interesting? Like, if you belong to a gym... The next six weeks, the gyms are going to be packed. The next six weeks, fast food restaurants are going to be empty. It's true. It's their hardest time of the year. It's the gym's busiest time of the year. Because what's happening is we are trying to make up for the next six weeks for the stupidity that we did the last six weeks, right? With a, oh, after holidays, I'm going to eat better and, you know, take care of myself and get some exercise and, you know, I'll start that tomorrow, you know. It's funny how that holiday season continues to extend anyway. Um, but we all know what it takes. I mean, to, to be healthy, it's just a consistent uh, daily set of decisions, right? You know, just making good choices over and over and over. It's just the easiest, uh, maybe not the easiest, it's the most effective way. And that's true physically, spiritually, financially, relationally, emotionally. Just making good decisions over and over. And one of the words we use for that is discipline, right? Um, everyone's favorite word. Uh, but what's interesting is the word discipline and the word disciple obviously come from the same root. And it's a Latin word, and what it really means is to learn. Isn't that cool? I mean, we get it in the disciple area, right? You know, you learn from Jesus. But to be disciplined means that you're going to continue learning. So that's what this is about. And as we enter um, 2016, we want to continue to learn from the Word of God. And uh, we're going to finish up the book of Luke, um, and then we're going to jump into some other stuff. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 11 here in just a minute. And today we get to learn from the master teacher, Jesus, about prayer. What a great way to start the year. I mean, this is awesome. Jim talked about our prayer night tonight. Man, don't miss it. It's fantastic. What's interesting is Luke uh, just shows us over and over and over how Jesus prayed. Just, it was part of his daily life. Again, it was a discipline for him. Um, but what's also interesting is that Luke is the only one who records three very specific parables about prayer. One of them we'll look at briefly today. It's about a guy who goes to his neighbor with a need. Um, Luke also records a story that Jesus gives us about a widow and an unjust judge. And then in that same chapter, chapter 18, he also records the, this, the uh, parable about guys praying. One of them is a, a tax collector, very humble. The other one is a, a Pharisee, a religious leader who's very proud. And Jesus talks about those things. So prayer is really, really great. And again, tonight is going to be a wonderful night. Um, so today we learn the basics of prayer from Jesus. Now some of you are going into this like you would go into your new exercise regimen. You're like, I need not the basics of prayer. I want the P90X version of prayer. What do you mean the basics of prayer? I mean, we've got to get on it. Let's go. Right? Some of you are totally asleep. And um, 
what's really important for us to remember is what the word basic means. Basic does not mean easy. That's why, you know, anybody who's been in the military and gone through basic training would say, no, nah, it wasn't so easy. Um, coaches often emphasize with their athletes, we're going to get back to the basics. Not easy. But, uh, and a musician, for example, will practice the basics, the scales, the chords, the drummers are doing their paradiddles. All of those things are important. You've got to have the basics. Basics, again, does not mean easy. What basic means is most essential, the heart of the issue. And that's what Jesus is going to provide for us. He's going to provide, provide us with some basic um, ingredients for prayer. He's going to give us a basic understanding right after that. And then he's going to give us uh, just a real quick lesson on our basic need that we all share together. So we're going to jump in. Um, Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. And um, <clears throat> we use various translations, uh, just depending on who's speaking or the text. I mean, no, no translation is like the exact wording of the original Greek. And then if the original Greek actually has multiple translations, it was interesting. I was talking to somebody after the service. Um, my son's girlfriend goes to school, and she's taken a, a class in Greek. And we were talking about, you know, you don't, I don't know if you know this, there's not just one Greek version of the New Testament either. There are like multiple editions of that. So every translation is like a, a balance between uh, being as authentic and accurate to the original text and making it so we understand it. Because grammatically it doesn't work. You know that if you translate from one language to the other, you know, verbs are switched around and the sentence structure doesn't make sense. So there's always a balance. Um, the New Living Translation is like every other translation. They have to make some decisions. Um, the reason we're using the NLT today is for two reasons. One, it's a really readable translation. But more importantly, uh, because we're talking about what we call the Lord's Prayer, I wanted to do something that was translated it a little differently than what we've traditionally heard it, just so we don't get into that rote kind of thing, just doing the same thing over and over. So there's a quick explanation of the NLT the NIV is really popular, the NSV, the King James, and NASB. There are just tons and tons of great translations. We're really fortunate to have so many options. Okay, jumping back. Sorry, those are some basics right there about Bible translation. All right, um, so chapter 11, verses 1 through 4 is where we're going to start. Once when Jesus had been out praying. And by the way, if you have the electronic version, if you're following along in version, um, I've got the NLT original translation, and now there's a second edition. So even in that, you know, and there's the NIV 84, and there's the NIV new 2011. I mean, there's just all kinds of stuff. So anyway, all right, off. Rabbit! Okay, squirrel! See, what happened is the first service, we had like three minutes left. I just filled it up. Okay. That was the Holy Spirit. He wanted you to know about translations of the Bible, I'm confident. Once when Jesus had been out praying, one of the disciples came to him just as he finished and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. Give us our food day by day and forgive us our sins just as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Now first, while we definitely should pray as individuals, notice the words that Jesus uses here. He says us 
and we, not I and me. Prayer needs to be corporate. Again, that's why we are meeting tonight to start the new year as a body, praying together. We, we worship together. We study together. We serve together. We eat together. We cry together. We struggle together. We celebrate together. The Christian life is about being together. And so when Jesus teaches on prayer, he uses the corporate form. It's really, really, really important for us to get. Now, the next thing is, again, don't think that these words that Jesus uses are like some magic formula. You know, you just say these words in this order, and God has no choice. God is obligated to respond in a certain way. Now, sometimes people do that with the prayer of Jabez was famous for that. This prayer has been used that way. You just repeat it over and over, and God has to act. He doesn't have any choice. That's not what this is about. Instead of thinking of these words as some kind of magic formula, think of them as ingredients, just some basic ingredients that make sense to keep uh, in our prayers, to have in our prayers. Um, think of a cake, all right? So just any cake, you know, and all of us would probably be thinking of different cakes. Like, you know, your favorite cake might be different than the other person's cake, but they're still cake. Cake, kind of by definition, has some basic ingredients that are going to be involved. And that's what Jesus is giving us, some basic ingredients here. So, again, don't get hung up on the words. Get hung up, if you will, on the ingredients, the heart of what's here. Um, so, we'll just jump into this a little bit. Uh, our Father in heaven. Now, this is obvious, but who has the privilege of calling a man father? That man's children, right? That man's child. No one else can call somebody dad except that guy's kid. No one else can call somebody mom except that lady's child. And how much cooler is it that Jesus says, when you pray, pray to your father. You get to call God father. Christmas Eve, we looked at 1 John, and, uh, or John chapter 1, and um, John 1, 12 says that <clears throat> to everyone who believed in him and accepted him, he gave them the right to become children of God. That's awesome. And the word Jesus uses for father has kind of two meanings. I mean, it, it, it leans in two directions. One is that it's very personal. This is your dad, daddy. It's okay. Jesus, sometimes when he prays, uses that very word. This is intimate. At the same time, this is very respectful. You can't hold God in your pocket or in the building. And we need to be very respectful when we come to God. So we pray personally, but respectfully to our Father. The next phrase, may your name be kept holy or may your name be honored, or hallowed be your name, to go with the King James. It's interesting. God tells us he does not need us to make his name holy. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 23, God says this, I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, the name you have profaned among them. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord. When I show myself holy, through you before their eyes. 
So God doesn't need us to make his name holy. But did you catch what he says? God is going to show himself to be holy through us. Now that's a great honor, but that's a great challenge. And so we have to commit ourselves to contribute to God's good reputation and not to making his name um, blasphemed or dishonored among the people. So we would pray, Father, you're holy, and please use us to help others see that. Next phrase, may your kingdom come soon. Um, The kingdom of God is one of Jesus' favorite subjects. He talks about it a lot. And the kingdom of God is many things, many things. Uh, But for this, we're just going to say it's basically God's presence. You know, wherever God is, that's where his kingdom is. Um, Which means the, the kingdom of God is here. Jesus has come. The word of God is here. The Holy Spirit is here. The church is here. So the kingdom is here. But the kingdom has not fully arrived. So it's here and not yet at the same time. It's not going to fully arrive until Jesus returns. So yes, we understand that Satan still has uh, some influence in this world. But we say You know, God, we want your kingdom to be alive in us, in our hearts, and that makes all the difference. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of words. It is living by God's power. That's good. So we pray, Father, until Jesus returns or we go home to be with you forever, may we live kingdom lives by your power here and now. Next one, give us each day the food we need or our, our daily bread. Um, <clears throat> you know, in our world, a lack of food is a real problem. And one thing that it leads to is that poor people um, sometimes have to act out of desperation. But you know what? And, and I think most of us would get this. An abundance of food or any material possession, can also be a real problem. Because when we have too much, that can lead us to act out of pride. Proverbs 30, 8 and 9 absolutely nails this. Listen to what it says. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. It's a delicate balance. Not too little, not too much, just enough. And we'll probably have a sermon on this sometime because you can't determine what's enough for me and I can't determine what's enough for you, but we need to listen to God. And God is going to tell us, you know, that's really enough. Don't try to get that answer from the world because it's going to tell you you never have enough. So we pray, God, would you give us enough and help us to know what enough really means? Next thing, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Or our trespasses or our debts. Again, in other translations, it depends. Um, It's hard to grasp that word in just one English word. 
Jesus knows that forgiveness helps us. It keeps us from suffering over and over and over when that memory inevitably returns. As Lewis Smedes said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Forgiving and being forgiven are two sides of the same coin. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to each other, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now understand, God does not call us to forgive and forget. Only God can do that. What God calls us to do is to forgive and remember his grace, his forgiveness, his power. So forgive and remember him. Father, help us to forgive, forgive others, and thank you for forgiving us. The next phrase, don't let us yield to temptation or, or keep us away from temptation. Um, don't lead us into temptation. Um, it's interesting because James uh, chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, clearly states that God does not tempt us. It's our own desires that produce that temptation, and when we follow them, it's, it's our responsibility. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us that with every temptation that comes, um, there, other people have experienced those exact same kinds of things, and every time there's a temptation, God provides a way of escape. And the verse right before that says that <clears throat> we need to be very careful when we are so confident that we are standing in our faith because that's when we're going to fall. So if we give in to temptation, it's clearly our fault. It's interesting. Jesus warns Peter um, when they're together at what we call the Last Supper, when they're celebrating Passover, and Jesus hands out, as, as Jordan described so clearly for us, his body and his blood. At that meal, Jesus tells Peter, you know what, Peter, you're going to deny me. And Peter, is, he's confident. And with pride, he says, you know what, bring it on. And he fails three times. But don't be too hard on Peter. Um, He's like us. And Peter also learns from his mistakes. And later as he is writing letters, in one of his letters he, he uses these words. God gives, uh, uh, God gives uh, grace to the proud, or to the humble, um, because they try to exalt themselves, those who are proud. And he says, this is what you need to do. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. He learned what it was like to face temptation. So it's interesting. Jesus doesn't teach us to pray for the strength to face every temptation, every struggle, every trial that will come. Jesus prays or teaches us to pray that that temptation will not even be in the picture. Portia Nelson's autobiography in five chapters sums it up well. You've probably heard this. Chapter one, 
I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter 2. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place. But it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see that it is there. I still fall in. It's a habit. But my eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5. I walk down another street. Father, lead us away from temptation. Some footnotes in this chapter and in, in Matthew have this phrase at the end of this model prayer that Jesus gives us. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What that phrase does is it just takes us back to the top. That God is holy. His kingdom is important. And it, it's all about him. So these are some of the basic ingredients that we should include in our prayers. Um, the exact recipe, however, including ingredients from your own life, your own experience, that's going to be different for every person. And that's the way it should be. Because, again, our prayers are personal and respectful to our Father. Next, um, Jesus provides a basic understanding of prayer. And he starts off by giving us an illustration. Uh, so we start in verse 5. Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this illustration. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You would say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. He would call out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door's locked for the night, and we're all in bed. I can't help you this time. But I tell you this, though he won't do it as a friend, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you what you want, so his reputation won't be damaged. You know, if people show up to our house unexpectedly, um, often we have extra food in our pantry or in our fridge, and we just get that out. Or if that doesn't work, uh, we have other options. We can just call our favorite pizza place or their favorite pizza place if we're really nice, and uh, we say, hey, we need some pizza. Can you bring it on over? And, or we can go to the grocery, you know, or a restaurant. I mean, we have places that are open 24-7. We have a lot of convenience, a lot of options. And those things simply didn't exist for these people. And it also would have been odd for them culturally, just like it would be for us to go to somebody's house at midnight and knock on the door. But that's what they did. They would, instead of doing those other things that we just talked about, they would go to the neighbor. And they would say, hey, I need you to help me out. And that was very normal. In their culture, it was the responsibility of the whole community, the whole community, to host people. It wasn't just the person in whose home the person uh, was visiting. So it's a different thing for us. But isn't that a good example for us 
as people of God, as a, as a body of Christ, that it's all of our responsibility to glorify, to help, to, to host. But more than that, the point Jesus is really making is, you know what? This guy said no, but the friend, the neighbor kept asking. And he said, okay. It's kind of a mini version of the, the widow, so what we sometimes call a persistent widow. He says, you know, if this guy is willing to help out, how much more will your heavenly father take care of you? It's a good illustration. But he says, you know what? You have to ask. You have to ask. Continuing on in verse 9. And so I tell you, keep on asking, and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And the door is open to everyone who knocks. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus begins his model prayer and his teaching with the same idea. God is our Father, and God's going to take care of us. He surrounds his teaching of prayer with that concept, and we need to surround our lives with that concept that God is our Father. And He's even better than earthly parents, earthly friends, earthly neighbors. Commentators Clinton and Arnold say this, Prayer is not a spiritual crowbar or a jackhammer that pries open God's willingness to act, but a means by which Christians open themselves up to God to grasp God's will and to be grasped by it. So pray. When we ask, God will give. When we seek, we will find. When we knock, the door will be open. So pray in the Spirit, and God will meet our needs. See, God will give good to us, and for that we can be grateful. But God will do so much more. God will give God to us. Listen to verse 13 one more time. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I never, as a child, got a, a snake or a scorpion for Christmas. <clears throat> I've had snakes in my house and scorpions in my house when we lived in South America. But those aren't gifts you normally give. Now, some people give snakes. But the child is asking for something. And the parent doesn't give something that's dangerous or damaging. The, the parent tries to lovingly give what that child wants and certainly tries to give what that child needs. And Jesus says that's how this is. No matter what you ask for, God is going to give you what you need and the thing we need most is more of God. We need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit bridges the gap between heaven and earth. 
Heaven where God's will is done and earth where it isn't. Heaven where God's name is holy and earth where God's name is ignored and dishonored. Into that void, the Holy Spirit enters. We breathe out prayers from our hearts, and God breathes the Holy Spirit into our hearts. The Holy Spirit guides us, comforts us, convicts us. He is of great benefit to us. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to grow in our lives, we reflect love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that benefits everyone. Today is the first Sunday of the year where we have gathered to worship and to, to take communion together, to pray together, to fellowship together, to learn together. Today is the perfect day for us to stop walking the direction we've been walking, to turn around, walk back to God, to give Him our hearts, to, to say, I need you, to confess Him, to be baptized, to, to receive forgiveness and the promise of the Holy Spirit. There's no better day than today. If you've never done that, or if you want to talk about what that means, or if you want to pray about something else, as we sing this song, just feel free to come forward. Or if you would rather, just find one of the leaders of the church or someone that you look up to as a spiritual mentor and just talk to them about it. I guarantee you it's a conversation they would love to have. We all need that conversation. Would you pray with me, please? Father, as we enter 2016, uh, remind us that as we try to do things in our own strength, we typically fail. So we ask for your Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, to bring honor and favor and blessing to you, to your holy name, to us, and to those around us. God, we, we can ascend, we can grow, we can overcome, not because of who we are, but because of who you are. Not because of what we do, but because of what you do and what you have done. God, you have all authority. You have the victory. And we give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. We have a chance right now to make God's name holy to praise him, to honor him, to worship him, not just with our lips, but with our hearts. And we would ask that we would do that as we stand.